traffic and you let somebody in and they don't give you the courtesy way I hate that people that steal from you and do drugs and my ex-boyfriend little tiny things like um, the copy and left of toothpaste what makes you really angry when my parents don't understand the way I feel about teenage life ignorance for one just everyday people being ignorant thinking they know everything and they really don't just people with a bad attitude disrespect just flat out disrespect. Backstabbers. People that pretend to be your friend and they're really not. Dishonesty. That probably what makes me most angry. I think lying. Being lied to. I, I get angry uh, when, I'm, when I don't have uh, finances to survive. When you want things to be in your control and you have no control over something. <laughs> well, it's a mad, 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 mad world, isn't it? 
That's the title of this morning's message, but that's the last second I'm going to spend trying to say that because I'd be wasting our time today. We know we live in a mad, angry world. Subtitle, though, is what I'm going to be talking about today, and that's how to deal with angry people. How to deal with angry people. Because, see, every day of our lives, those of us who, I'm going to just say for, for lack of a better word, we're normal, right? Isn't that right? Aren't we normal? How, how do we normal people deal with angry people? That's the question for today. And maybe we, we might ask the question, how do you feel when the heat is coming toward you, when you feel the heat? Quickly, let's, uh, let's back a couple of things out of this equation. First of all, I, I'm not talking about somebody that you just meet one time and that's it. You know, you're, you're on the road and somebody shows you part of their hand or somebody yells at you or screams at you or maybe you just encounter somebody for a few minutes you never see them again. We're not going to worry about that today. You know, of course, just to keep your cool and, and let it go. And I'm also not going to talk about something that's on the other end of the spectrum. If you're here today and you're suffering physical abuse or sexual abuse, this sermon is not for you. I, I'm not preaching this to help you deal with the angry person in your life. You need to get out. You need to get away as fast as you can. Talk to the authorities. Talk to someone who has the ability to help you get away from that situation. So if you're in physical abuse or sexual abuse, uh, you need to do the thing that's the right thing to do, put distance between yourself and the perpetrator. But for all the rest of us today, when we have to deal with people who are angry, and we deal with them pretty often, how do we deal with those angry people? How do we keep our sanity when the heat is coming toward us on a continual basis? Okay. First of all, we need to examine the situation. Before we do anything else, we must do a little analysis of the situation of the person who's angry at ourselves and ourselves as well. When someone is angry at you, it will usually come down to one of three situations depending on the angry person. And if you take time to analyze what's going on, it'll pay huge dividends. You know, I've read a lot of, of uh, writing and sermons and materials from secular people that deal with anger management on how to deal with angry people. And, and what I find, and I'm not being critical, what I find is they often fail to separate out the situations. That's what you have to do if you want to be a success at dealing with angry people. So, you must understand one thing before somebody, before you deal with an angry person, usually it's in one of three situations. Either number one, someone is angry at you for something you've done. They're, they're a normal person too. They're not chronically angry. They're just a regular person. You did something wrong and it made them mad. That's situation number one. Situation number two is, as we talked about last week, there are chronically angry people in our world. They carry anger with them. But then you do something wrong. Maybe it's in your work environment. Maybe it's in your home. You're around a person who's chronically angry, but you mess something up or you failed to get something done. And now that person is venting on you, not only for what you've done, but they're venting on you because they're chronically angry. How do you deal with that? Third situation is, what happens when a person is just chronically angry, they have silent rage, you didn't do a thing in the world, you just showed up at the wrong place at the wrong time. What I'm saying to us is before we can deal with an angry person, we've got to stop for a moment, take a deep breath, and ask ourselves, which one of those three situations am I dealing with? Maybe the quickest way to deal with this is to ask this question. When somebody's angry toward you, ask yourself, is it all me, is it some me, or is it none? of my fault. And be honest. You have to be honest. That's the key. This whole thing. Is this somewhat my fault? Is it none of my fault? Is this 
all my fault. It will make all the difference in the world how you respond in that particular environment. Now, let's deal with the first one for a few moments. How do you deal with it when somebody is angry toward you, not a chronically angry person, not, it's a situational thing, it's an episodic thing. You've done something to anger someone. You've made your husband mad, you've made your wife mad, you've made your boss mad, you made somebody you work with mad, you made your, you know, your mother-in-law mad, and boy, that's hard to think about the fact that your mother-in-law could be just a normal person, right? But, but think about this, you've made a normal, regular, reasonable person angry. How do you deal with that situation? There are two keys to dealing with it when you're at fault and you've made somebody angry. Key number one is respond with the right attitude. Keep the right attitude. And that'll be a challenge because it's tough to keep a good attitude when there's a climate of heat, but keep the volume low. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. A gentle answer, keep the volume low. And that's a good piece of advice regardless of any of these situations. Keep the volume low. I was reading Jay Kessler was talking about a, a, state patrol, a state patrolman in his church who was given the award for the finest state patrolman in their state. And the governor, in presenting this award, pointed out that this highway patrolman never treated a drunk badly, that he was always kind and gracious to people even when they weren't kind to him. And he asked, Jay asked him, how, how did you do this? When, when you were dealing with drunks and, and, and people that weren't, weren't treating you right, how did you handle this? And, and this highway patrolman gave two very good pieces of advice for all of us who deal with anger. He said, number one, he said, when I found somebody who was drunk, I always said to myself, that's somebody's husband, that's somebody's dad, that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's son who is drunk. He said, I don't treat the person like the crime. And I thought that was a great piece of advice, isn't it? And he said, always remember that that's a human being. And the second thing is, he said, whenever I deal with anybody who's a, who's a criminal or I'm dealing with somebody that I've had to stop, he said, I always make sure that I keep my tone of voice just a little lower than their tone of voice. That's great because, see, anger tends to make us do just the opposite. Anger says, if you're talking to me this loud, I can do you one better and I can get even louder. So remember that. Keep the volume low. Respond with the right attitude. And hey, here's a big one. Don't use anger to cover a mess up. When you mess up and you get called on the carpet and someone is angry at you, don't use anger as a negotiating ploy to get out of the situation. Don't use a blow up to cover a mess up, all right? If you're at fault, be a man, be a woman, stand up to it, be, be sure that you own up to what you've done wrong and accept responsibility for it. Don't get angry to cover a mess up. So that's the first key. When you're at fault, you're somebody who's a regular person is angry at you, number one, respond with the right attitude. Number two, attempt to resolve the issue. Notice that I said attempt because sometimes even with a rational person, you cannot always resolve the issue. Sometimes what you've broken is just so expensive that you cannot make it right but attempt to resolve the issue. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 5, verse 23. He said, if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. 
Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it's too late and you're dragged into court, handed over to an officer, and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Now, those, those are the keys to, to, to dealing with it when someone is angry at you and they're a reasonable person. Number one, have the right spirit, and number two, attempt to resolve the issue. But now, you say, Mark, I need some help in knowing how to resolve something. How do I resolve an issue? I want to give you three things that are, that are keys. If you've got to settle something with somebody today, or the, you know, someone is angry at you, and you've, you've said, okay, I'm going to have the right spirit about this. I'm not going to get mad, and I'm not going to cover a mess up with a, a, blow up, a, a mess up with a blow up, and I'm going to talk to this person, and I need to know, Pastor, how can I resolve it? There are three keys that we just drew immediately from Jesus' statement. Number one, it's time sensitive. It's time sensitive. It's human nature when we have a problem with somebody to just say, well, I'm going to let that simmer for a while. But Jesus said, do it quickly. He said, agree with your adversary quickly. It is time sensitive. Number two, take responsibility. Jesus said, go be reconciled to that person. That means you show up, you, you get into there, and you, and you take responsibility for what you've done wrong. Apologize. And, and here, when you apologize, make sure it's a good apology. Have you, ever, have you ever had someone apologize to you, and even though they said the words, I'm sorry, it sounded like they were still blaming you? Every wife in the buildings, <laughs> yes, been there. You know, I, I'm sorry I hurt you. You know, it's just that you're so sensitive and, 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 you know, you're just acting like your mother and that just drives me crazy and I'm sorry I reacted that badly. You know, here's what an apology sounds like. And I'm not giving you words to say, but here's what a true apology sounds like. Number one, it says, I understand what I did wrong. Okay, that's the first thing in a, in a pure apology. I understand what I did wrong, and you can expect me never to do that again. That's a real apology. Anything short of that is phony. A real apology says, I know what I did wrong. See, whenever we sin against God, we're told to apologize to God. But the word the Bible uses is confess. You don't need a Greek lesson today, but you know the New Testament was written in Greek. And the word for confess comes from two words, homo, which means the same, and lego, which means to speak. So when we confess, what do we do? We say the same thing about our sin that God says. You know, when people say, well, I don't, you know, I guess I make mistakes and I guess I've done a few things wrong, God doesn't get into that at all. Listen, if you've committed adultery, you go tell God you committed adultery. If you've stolen something, you go tell God you stole something. If you lied, tell God you lied. Tell God what you said that was wrong because that's what God expects when you apologize to God. You say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. And it's the same thing with people. When you apologize to someone, you say, I know I did wrong. And yeah, there will always be some other factors that bear on that. There will always be stuff that led up to doing wrong. But doing wrong is always doing wrong. If you did wrong, own up to it. Own up to it. And then communicate, you can expect me never to do it again. Here's the thing. If you live by that principle, your apologies will always mean a lot to people in your life. So how do you resolve an issue? Number one, it's time sensitive. Number two, take responsibility. Number three, this is big. Involve only the affected parties. Involve only the affected parties. Don't bring a lot of other people into the situation. If you have got some problem with somebody, go directly to that person. Don't go tell other people about that. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 25 verse 10. 
Uh, verse 7, just because you see something, don't be in a hurry to go to court. You might go down before your neighbors in shameful defeat. So discuss the matter with them privately. Don't tell anyone else or others may accuse you of gossip. Then you will never regain your good reputation. Let me just tell you today, and this gossip breaks up families, it messes up, it messes up businesses, it hurts churches. If you're a gossip, I, I'm just going to tell you basically, you're shameful. If you're a gossip, you're shameful. You're not a Christian, you're not passing on prayer requests, you're a shameful person. That's what the Bible says. Don't tell anyone else or others may accuse you of gossip. Then you will never regain your good reputation. Notice that if you're a gossip, you do not have a good reputation. Why? Because gossip is not of God. It's of the enemy. It's of Satan. So therefore, when somebody gossips, they're carrying on Satan's work. How can you have a good reputation and be of Satan? So if you're one of those people that always messes up families, you know, I, I hear about family situations where there's going to be a holiday and somebody's always the bad person in the family and that's who everybody's going to talk about in the family at Christmas or November. I want you to know that is of Satan. And you're a shameful person if you do that. And so here's the thing. If there's a problem between you and somebody else, go to that person. Go to them. Three things about resolving an issue. Number one, it's time-sensitive. Number two, take responsibility. Number three, involve only the affected parties. So, with each one of these three situations, I want to give you not only help in knowing how to resolve the problem, but I also want to give you a goal. Because see, here's the thing. If you do something wrong and someone is angry toward you and your goal is to make things right, if that is your goal, you're going to be frustrated at times. Your goal should be this. I want you to understand, this should be your goal if you are the person who makes a normal person angry. Your goal is to settle in your own heart that you have done everything possible. If you've done everything possible and it resolves, then glory to God. If you've done everything possible and it doesn't resolve, then you can sleep at night, right? You can say, I have done everything within my power. So when you have hurt somebody else, and that person is angry at you, and you keep the right tone, and you do everything you can to resolve the conflict, you can sleep at night because you said, I can, I've done everything that I could. And chances are, if it's really a reasonable person, you'll be able to resolve the conflict. If you love them, and they love you, this, they will resolve. But make sure your goal is to settle in your own heart that you've done everything you could. Number two. Number two. Situation two. Situation two is when someone is chronically angry, but then you do something wrong to make them angry at you. This is the toughest one of all. It is the most complicated. Because here's what happens. When somebody is an angry person, and you do something to make them angry, first of all, they're probably looking for you to do something to make them angry. And then when that person vents on you, you'll not only hear their anger and their heat toward you for what you've done wrong, Often, it will be accompanied by personal insults. When you make this person mad, they're going to let you know what you've done, but they're going to add to it a bunch of insults and a bunch of personal stuff about you. That's what will make it very difficult to deal with this person. Remember, we talked about this in the very first sermon. The anger is usually a second emotion. 
Usually when someone is angry, there is an emotion down below the surface that that person doesn't want to deal with. Maybe it's hurt, maybe it's fear, maybe it's insecurity, but they don't want to go there and so they use anger as a crust to cover it up. So whenever you deal with this person, remember this, there's probably something down below the surface that is causing them pain, and when you do wrong, it makes them feel like they have a legitimate reason for how they feel. So how do you deal with this? This is the most complicated of all because you do something wrong, but you're not dealing with a normal person. You're dealing with a chronically angry person. Here's the first thing you must understand in this situation is you must get your own feelings under control because that will be the challenge. You must get your own feelings under control. And again, that's a universal in any of these situations. My staff hears me say this all the time. I, I say it to myself all the time. Somebody's got to be the adult here. That's how you got to look at this. You got to say, somebody has got to be the adult here and it's got to be me. When Hall of Famer, uh, Red Sox baseman Wade Boggs was playing in Yankee Stadium. There was one particular fan that used to really get under his goat. And you know, whenever a visiting player is playing in an opposing stadium, he's going to hear some insults, but this, this was really bad. I mean, it was just right by where he was taking batting practice. The same fan sat in the same place all the time, and he screamed at Boggs from the moment that Boggs walked onto the field. And he called him all kinds of names and, and questioned his heritage and all kinds of stuff, and it was just over and over and over. And Boggs was a pretty, pretty measured guy, but it would really get under his skin. But what he did, I think, is good advice for all of us. Boggs turned around one day, walked up to the place where the man was sitting, and he asked him, he said, are you the guy who's always yelling at me? And the fan said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Boggs reached into his pocket, took out a brand new baseball, autographed it, tossed it softly to the guy, and walked back to the field. From that point on, the guy stopped. And not only that, he became one of Boggs' biggest fans in Yankee Stadium. That won't always happen, but isn't that a smart thing to do? Get your own feelings under control. Because if you put yourself in Wade Boggs' place and you heard somebody screaming at you all the time, the last thing you want to feel, feel like is to go back and deal with that person in a gentle way. Now, again, how do you get, what do you do when you get your own feelings under control? You're dealing with somebody who's angry at you, and, um, you know, but you've done something wrong. It's a chronically angry person. Here's what you think about. You've got to feel the weight of responsibility for, for what you've done, but not the responsibility for curing this person. That's dicey. You've got to feel what you've done wrong, take responsibility for that, but sort out your feelings and understandings to the place where you don't feel responsible for curing that person. That's about as tough as it gets. But I, I wish there was a young lady, I don't even know her name, I wish we could get her in here to talk to you about this because there's a young lady who works in the shoe department over at Penny's who could conduct clinics on this. I watched her this week. Just brilliant. I wish I had the camera on her. Could have just brought the video in. Evidently, I came in late to the situation. Mary Alice was looking for a pair of shoes, so I was just sort of standing around. There's an ugly fellow, and I mean, he was losing it. I mean, he was just venting rage on this real sweet young lady who was working in the shoe department. And I could hear how he was screaming. I mean, people upstairs could hear how he was screaming. He was just letting it out on this woman because evidently his wife had come in to look for a pair of shoes and maybe she didn't get the attention that this man thought she deserved. And this man kept stressing that my wife has been a loyal customer of Penny's shoes for 20 years. 
Then he just went over and over and over. And the lady was real sweet. She said, sir, I'm so sorry that this happened. She said, we would we want to take care of all our customers. And she said, if your wife will come back in here, I promise you, she'll get the very best care. We'll help her find shoes. We're so sorry for the way we've let her down. But if you'll just give us another chance, we, we, we will help her. I promise you. Now, you would have thought that would have stopped this guy, but he was a chronically angry guy. You could tell he just sort of carried it with him. And, you know, think about this. What you are when you're young will be what you are when you're old, just more of it. You hear me? I mean, you know, if you're elderly here today, people owe you respect because of your years. But if you're a chronically angry, bitter-spirited person, trust me, you're going to be making people miserable, more miserable in these years than you did when you were younger. And this guy was just a chronically angry guy. And so he started all over again. I mean, this girl, I mean, she just, you know, she's kind of making me want to dab at my eyes at this point because she was just so gracious and so kind to this old guy. And then, but he turned loose on her again. And he began to scream louder as if she didn't catch it the first time. My wife has been a loyal customer here for 20 years. And very sweetly, the girl said, but sir, I've only worked here for six weeks. <laughs> I thought to myself, ma'am, you got it. You're right on. I mean, she was taking responsibility for how Penny's had let this guy down, but she was saying, I'm not going to carry on this discussion with you anymore. I can't have known your wife for the last 20 years. I doubt if she was, she was barely 20 years old. But she said, I've only worked here for six weeks. See, that's what you have to do with this kind of person. I came up with these words, and maybe they're not the best ones, but they're the words that I thought about. It's conciliatory candor. That's what you must have when you've done something wrong, and this is a chronically angry person. Conciliatory candor. I want to be gracious with you. I know I've done wrong. I'm taking responsibility for what I've done, but I'm going to be honest with you enough to let you know that I'm not here to cure you for your chronic anger. Now, that's a challenge, but that's what we have to do. What you're saying to this person is, and many of you are married to someone like this, or some of you are, well, perhaps, what you need to say to this person is, I made a mistake, but I'm not against you. I did something wrong, but don't let your paranoia, don't say this, but I mean, in the back of your mind, you're saying, don't let your paranoia get the best of you. I I'm not against you. Calm demeanor, when you do this, is mandatory. Now, remember now, I'm not talking about cutesy stuff. There are a lot of people today that have this sort of calm speech, but it's sort of saccharine, you know? It's got to be real, because that stuff is worse than blowing up. That's just as fake as it can be. You've got to have a real sweet, calm demeanor. Man, I wish we could get that girl from Penny's in here. She really knows how to do this. So what's the goal? What's the goal? If you do something wrong and you upset a chronically angry person, what is the goal with this situation? Here it is. It is to separate what we can fix from what we can't fix. Because this person will do everything he can to make you feel responsible for every bad thing that has happened in his life. You know, you may spill the milk and this guy wants to make you feel responsible for messing up his life from day one because he's chronically angry. Separate in your own mind what you can fix from what you can't fix. Situation three. What do you do when someone is chronically angry and you happen to be a convenient target? You didn't do a thing in the world. You're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Now, I don't know if anybody's ever had this experience. My guess is you probably have. I had this experience just recently. I was driving into a little store to get something to drink, and uh, the lady next to me had her door open. She was trying to find something, couldn't find anything, what she was trying to find. Her door was open. I couldn't back out. I just sat there quietly and patiently, didn't say anything to her. I just sat there and waited for her to get out of the car because I didn't want to back up with her door open, so I just sat there. All of a sudden, she looked at me, and she just lost it on me because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was upset. She can't find what she wants in her purse, but I'm in the wrong spot. How do you deal with that person? It's not like you can apologize. It's not like you can do something to, because you don't have anything that you're, that you're fault for. There's a story in the Bible that I want to give to you before this day is over. And the story is found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25. It's locked up in the history of the life of David. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Nabal, N-A-B-A-L, and his name means fool or difficult. How would you like to have the name fool? I mean, you know, so everybody kind of knows who you are, difficult person. I've known some people that needed a sign over their heads that said difficult person, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't, if you could walk around and see the sign, somebody, gossip, liar, difficult person. <laughs> have to look up and see what's over your own head in that situation. Well, this guy, Nabal, it was just difficult to get along with. And, and the thing about it is, though, look at this. The Bible says, and this is in verse 3 of 1 Samuel 25. The man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail, Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was mean and dishonest in all his dealings. How do mean guys like Nabal find sweet women like Abigail? I wish I knew the answer to that one. I have seen that a few times, boys and girls. But that's what happened. Now, David at this point is on the run from King Saul because Saul is trying to destroy David. If David stays in fights, David will wind up killing the king who is God's anointed man. And David knows better than to touch God's anointed, even though Saul was not doing right. So David did the best thing he could. He got a handful of men to sort of protect himself, and they ran as fast as they could go just to get out of the situation. Evidently in the past, David and his men had been very good to Nabal's shepherds. Nabal was a man who ran a lot of sheep and cattle. He was a rancher. And David and his men had been very good to Nabal's men. And so when David got close to this place, his men were hungry and they were looking for a meal. And, and David just basically sent word and said to Nabal, could you just put us up for the night and give my men something to eat? And when Nabal, the fool, the angry guy, heard about this, he just blew up on David. David not done anything but good to him. And, and so Nabal, he just went off on David. He said there are a lot of, a lot of employees who run away from their employers and, and uh, what if I, I don't owe you anything and I'm not going to do anything good for you. And after all these good things that David and his men had done for Nabal, Nabal insulted David. Now David was a hot-headed guy. He was a good man, but he was a hot-headed guy. And David was telling his soldiers, you strap your swords on, and we're going to go take care of that rascal. And they were on their way to kill him. Now, one of the servants of Nabal heard what was happening, and he went to Abigail, that sensible and beautiful wife of Nabal, and he said to her, you know, David has been very good to us, but when he came here and asked for a meal for his men, our master treated him very badly, and he said, I don't think this is going to end well. And so Abigail, bright lady that she was, 
she got provisions ready for David's men. She and her servants rode out to meet David. She bowed down to the ground, and she said, Sir, please, my husband's a fool. Boy, it's a bad thing when a wife has to go out and apologize for her husband being a fool. I've known some women who had to do that. My, my husband just doesn't have any sense. He can't control his temper. He just loses. My husband is a jerk. Please, can I apologize? Can I try to help him keep his job? Can I, you know, and that's what happened with Abigail. She went out and she said, please, David, my husband is a jerk. He doesn't know better. But I want to make sure you get something to eat tonight. And then this is what the Bible says. Uh, that when David saw what, uh, the wisdom of Abigail, he said, God bless you because you kept me from doing something foolish. When Abigail went back home, she told Nabal what had happened, and Nabal was so upset that he had a stroke and died. But here's what I want you to find out from 1 Samuel 25. I'm sorry, I went through that story so fast. 1 Samuel 25, verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord. And it's a good thing that every once in a while we have punctuation in the Bible because you know there's something left to come on this verse. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord who has paid back Nabal and kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Now, what do we learn? <laughs> what are the lessons that we pick up from dealing with this kind of chronically angry person when it's not your fault and you don't have anything, you didn't do anything to this person, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here's number one. Understand, God didn't make you to be anybody's punching bag. Can I get a witness on that this morning? God did not make you to be anybody's punching bag. You say, well, Mark, I want to do a Christian thing. The Christian thing is not to become somebody's punching bag. If somebody's chronically angry, and they're angry at you without a cause, and they lose it on you, don't feel like that you have to be Christian and just absorb it. Because that's not what God made you for. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're to speak words of kindness and wisdom. Now, I don't mean that you strap on your sword and go cut this person's head off because we saw from the story of David that's not the way to respond to this. But just understand from the beginning that God didn't make you to be anybody's punching bag. Number two. Wives, are you listening to me? Number two. Don't take responsibility for something that's not your fault just to get this person to calm down. And maybe there's some husbands who need to listen to this too. But don't take responsibility for something that isn't your fault. Because if you say to yourself, well, maybe, you know, this person's just venting on me. Maybe if I go ahead and apologize for it, I didn't do it. I'm not guilty. I didn't mean to do this. This is not me. I don't even know why, I don't even know why, why she's saying this. But I didn't do this. But maybe if I say I'm sorry, you know, there are some people that if they get into a fuss, they'll, they'll apologize for anything up to the Kennedy assassination if they feel like it'll lower the temperature. But don't do that. Because see, here's the thing, you're not helping this person. You are fueling fire. If this person is chronically angry, they got problems down below the surface they don't want to deal with, they're venting on you, and you apologize for something that's not your fault, you're going to put a false solution into this equation that will cause this person to repeat the behavior over and over again. You're just giving positive affirmation to some very bad behavior. 
In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19, the Bible says short-tempered people must pay their own penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. If you're in a relationship where you have to say that you did things that you didn't do to get that person to calm down, trust me, get, in, get used to enjoying that because you're going to do that again and again and again and again. And whenever they vent on you, they will be looking for that good feeling that comes when you apologize for something that you're not guilty of. It will just make them feel that they have a legitimate reason to be an angry person. How do you deal with this person? Third thing I want to show you is that you need to realize that the primary things you can do to help this person are spiritual. Most of us are not clinical counselors. Most of us are not trained counselors to deal with somebody who has an anger management issue, but you are children of God. And as children of God, there are some spiritual things that you can do. And I want to take a time out one more time just to say this. If you're in an environment with a chronically angry person who abuses you physically, get out of that situation. Because what will happen is that person will abuse you and then they'll go, they'll cycle. They'll go from heart rage and abuse to I'm sorry and brokenness and tears and whining and crying and pouting and saying they'll never do it again. Get out and let that buzzard stay where he is until he gets some real help. But. Absent physical abuse, absent sexual abuse. If you're in an environment with somebody who's chronically angry and you're not doing anything to, to bother this person and they lose it, realize the primary things that you can do for this person are spiritual. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said, You've heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Here's the thing. Jesus says, love them, pray for them, but did you notice that he didn't say, give in to them? Love them, pray for them. Because when it gets right down to it, unless God does a work in the heart of that person to show them who they are and what they're doing, there's very little that you can do for this person. So what is the goal? Remember, the goal when it's your fault and you're dealing with a regular person was to do everything within your power to feel that knowledge. Then in, when it's a situation where you've done something wrong but the person is chronically angry, the goal was to be able to separate what you can change from what you can't change. What is your goal when the person's chronically angry and you don't have any responsibility at all? Here's the goal. The goal is to keep your peace of mind. It's to keep your peace of mind, to keep your strength. When, they, when Abigail came out to David, he said, I'm so glad you came because it kept me from doing something that was wrong. If David had gone and massacred Nabal and all his servants, David would have done something wrong. The challenge when you're dealing with a chronically angry person is not to get in the pig pen with them. It's for you not to throw insults. It's for you not to become angry. It's for you not to become cynical. And that's a great challenge. When I, when I got this message ready today and I saw the title that I had selected, How to Deal with an Angry Person, I thought to myself, I've really overpromised. Because the situations with angry people are as widespread as we can possibly imagine. There are all sorts of variations. My goal this morning was to give you some principles. And my belief is this, that if you and I will plug these principles into our daily lives, we'll go a long way down the road to dealing with angry people. I want to thank you for listening today, and I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will take what we said and bring it to us, don't we realize this, right at the right moment when we really need it. 
It's one thing for us to know it right now. It's something else to know it when you get into the firestorm. So why don't we stand together and let's pray for each other that the Lord will help us to do that.